Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first? Learn more at westmonroe.com. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to another episode of Car Stories with Sung Kang and Amelia Hartford. Today's guest, we have Rod Chong. Rod is the chief creative officer over at the beloved race service and just an artiste. Yeah, a well-evolved human being. He shares a lot of wisdom on his personal journey. Yeah, and he's had a very full career outside of motorsports from also video games to music to fashion. Yeah, it was just a really pleasant conversation with a person I've never met, but you've been friends with Rod for a while, right? Yeah, I've known Rod for a very long time and he is not afraid to ever go deep with the conversation, which I appreciate the openness and willingness to go there. All right, well, enjoy. Rod Chong, everybody. So for the listeners out there that aren't familiar with you know, your history and your work. Can you give us a little history of Rod and where you are now and where you came from? Yeah. Well, I'm one of those kids that grew up racing go-karts from an immigrant family um, in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, I'm sure you find this from all the people that you talk to in the car world, that 
often a passion for cars tends to come from childhood. Usually, I find nine times out of ten. So I'm no different from that. My my father and his brothers uh, were racing cars and go-karts. And um, my father had a, a shop where they would build uh, custom car stereos and they had giant subwoofers and they'd enter them in competition. So I grew up racing. Um, but interestingly, I never really liked the wheel-to-wheel um, sport that much. I was maybe this very shy, quiet Asian kid. Um, and I liked drawing and painting cars more, like the creative uh, aspect of being a kid that that was into cars. I liked being a racing driver more so I could, uh, you know, have something to help with, uh, you know, being the experience of racism and all that stuff as an as a Asian kid in school. It gave me a little bit of a leg up and I liked to have my leather jacket I could wear. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Maybe that's a Jamaican culture coming through. Mm-hmm. But uh, fast forward on, um, went to art school to with a plan to design cars because I was good at drawing and painting and got distracted uh, with cameras and running around with cameras. So it seemed way more fun. So um, the first career was directing music videos. So that uh, I did that in my native Vancouver, then came to Los Angeles and then ended up in London doing that. That kind of uh, fizzled out. I was living in London and I heard about this uh, video game that you could download all sorts of different cars and you could change it and make your own cars for it and your own tracks. And this was an EA game called Sports Car GT, a PC simulation game. And because I'd already had a career in media, I put together a a crew of people. We started making um, sports car mods for F1 games. So you would take an EA PC game and make it into a sports car game. And I love Le Mans and GT racing. So this is what we focused on. And one of our mods became very famous. And then suddenly we all got headhunted. And overnight, I was given a job designing and producing racing games. I turned that into a job at EA and went back to my native Canada because I figured out in my hometown they were making this very famous racing game, Need for Speed. And this was at the height of um, tuner cars and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. There was this big street racing scenes. Mm -hmm. Drifting was just coming up, becoming more popular. And Need for Speed was uh, tapping into this. And um, this was about 2005 five or so most wanted had just come out and i joined the team and they put me in charge of uh, the cultural elements that were going to be integrated into the games and they started sending me to la to go to drifting events mm. and uh, i started meeting people and getting more involved with the community first in socal even though i lived in vancouver and then the bosses said to me hey we want to make a website about car culture thought about it for a couple of weeks and then came up with this uh, idea of uh, speed hunting or Speed Hunters, which became a a website that we launched in 2008. And at the same time, we launched another program called Team Need for Speed, which was a drifting team. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started building cars for SEMA. But we got to travel the world and go to all the different scenes around the world. And that was an incredible moment to go to Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all across Europe, all across the US and see what people were doing. And then I left that in 2014. Did a few other projects uh, within uh, racing games, uh, sim racing, um, even some autonomous motorsport stuff with a company called RoboRace, and then joined the race service team about five years ago, moved to LA. Mm. And uh, I had the dream of coming to SoCal to be a participant in the car scene here. People think I'm crazy, but I kind of moved to LA so I could drive cars. And I love big cities too, because there's a great creative scene here. That, as, as both of you know, you, there's people that are doing fashion, 
uh, media, films, graphic design, whatever it is, art. Um, but you can have that here, but still enjoy driving cars. Mm. And having lived in Stockholm and London, it's much harder to do that. There's great creative scenes, projects. You got a nice car in London, you, it's very hard to enjoy it. Sure it is, yeah. yeah. And oh, even even in Canada, because the weather's so like <laughs> bad, it's going to rust yes. out your cars. Yeah, that's true. All that salt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for the folks that don't know Race Service, because we had one of your colleagues here yeah, from Race James. Service, James. James. Yeah. Could you explain to the listening audience what you guys do over there at Race Service? Well, Race Service, uh, it's been interesting. It's uh, Race Service has been around about five years or so. And for the first few years, people kept saying to us, what is Race Service? Mm. What do you guys do? It seems very cool, but what is this thing? Mm. The way that we explain it is that it's a creative agency. So we do different types of projects, collaborations with different brands, usually in automotive and motorsports, but we do work in video gaming. I do some projects in fashion as well. And our, our thesis is to connect the worlds of motorsports and automotive to wider parts of contemporary or pop culture, streetwear, music, um, video games, even some Web3 materials, fashion, different organizations. Like we're an agency for NASCAR. We do a lot of projects with AMG and Porsche. Hot Wheels is one that I'm quite involved with. They'll want us to do content and strategy and sometimes events to connect all these worlds together. We're also in the middle of launching a uh, streetwear fashion brand as well that's kind of focused around uh, collaborations with automotive brands, but we we have our own line as well. That's a bit of a new project. And then the last part of Race Service is that we are a car culture hub. We wanted to have a place that's a destination, um, and we have meetups um, once a month, the first Friday of every month at our space. We occasionally curate events, and we have a pretty active community of people that come out to our, our different uh, programs on site. And can I invite anyone listening to go to a Rise and Shine sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's called, Rise and Rise Shine. Rise and Shine, oh. yeah. yeah it's first coffee Friday and cars. Of every, first Friday of every month. Yeah, and it's a good turnout, and maybe if you're not familiar with cars, you want to get in the space, you want to meet some cool people, I think it's a great environment. Uh, so, it, I, you know, what I love about you guys over at Race Service is that, you know, a lot of times you meet, you know, car folks and they have no fashion sense. They look like they're, <laughs> they, they show up and like, because, you know, yeah. my wife always bags on me. He's like, you, oh. He's like, you know, why don't you like dress up? And then everybody over at Race Service, you guys have a great blend of what is hip in fashion and pop culture, and then you meld that with you know car culture, which you know I, I got some swag from you guys, and I took it over to my house, and my wife is like, "That's what you should be wearing, <laughs> right?" Because it's a celebration of you know our yeah. love affair for cars and the community, but then it's you know it's it's a it's a wonderful blend, yeah. you know. So it blends into streetwear and fashion and style, but we're quite focused on curation. Mm. Whether we are designing an event, we'll think of every single aspect of what someone experiences going through that event, from the music to the posters and every little detail. And the same goes for any film project that we do. The worst sin at race service is to do a project that has no style or to take a mm. photograph that doesn't have um, visual aesthetic vibe mm. to it. It's something that's very important to us. And I find that that whole trajectory interesting. When I first started going to automotive events you, you go to a say you go to an event uh, say a drifting event in la even 10 years ago people had 
some style, you know? 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah. And then I would go to an event in the UK and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, what are these people wearing? But the interesting thing is in the past 10, 15 years, um, that's changed. That has really changed. And uh, you see the intersection of streetwear and um, modified custom cars a lot more now mm. in that people's personal presentation is definitely linked in a lot of scenes anyway, maybe not everywhere, to um, whatever custom car that they're they're building or how they express their personal style through a custom car or a modified mm. car. And you guys do a lot of cool collabs and, and help companies bridge those gaps, right? One yeah. huge project that you've had lately has been Hot Wheels. Yes. What did you guys do that with Hot Wheels? Uh, we've um, I've been personally a collaborator of Hot Wheels for a long time through many different programs from Speed Hunters had different collabs we did uh, when I was doing the Project Cars video game. We had a line of Hot Wheels that so we collabed with them. But um, Hot Wheels has been a, a client and collaborator of race servers since we started for the past five years. So we're involved with the uh, Legends Car Show. Mm. We have produced numerous content programs with them that you see on their Instagram channel. Currently, we are d doing a documentary series um, for a car that's being built for Rentsport Union. Mm. It's going to debut uh, in about a week and a half. So we're always involved with all sorts of different programs with them. I'm a bit of a Hot Wheels collector. I love the brand. Those little cars, there's so much joy <laughs> in each of them. Yeah. Well, you've done projects with them. Yeah. I have your, your yeah. cars. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's like every car person's bucket list. To have yeah. Your car as a Hot Wheels. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah, for any automotive personality or car builder, I think that's definitely a big checklist item, right? Yeah. You've arrived. You know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people come and go, right? Trying to do what race service does. And I mean, what do you think that sets you guys apart to just be able to kind of help the listeners if you know they have interest in doing what you guys do? Well, it's also a wider question of how do you take your passion for cars mm -hmm. and, um, and make that into your career mm -hmm. and then have that continue, mm -hmm. which is not, uh, for a lot of people, that's not easy. And that that's a big question, right? I would say that it's a mix of being driven by passion Taking that passion and having that fuel you is really good. That'll only get you so far, though, because, uh, you know, this concept of the 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. You have to be mm -hmm. good yeah, at your well craft. Yeah, yeah. You have to be good at hours your... to be an expert. Yeah. You just have to look at the craft of what you want to do. So mm. if you take, uh, you know, we look at the content creation side of, of what you do. There's a lot of craft to that. How do you shoot? How do you talk to the camera? How do you edit? How do you build a storyline? I believe that people that do the groundwork to become very good at what they do, that's very important. And then lastly, it's uh, being able to work on your personality so that you can talk about what you do, you can connect with people and uh, find those opportunities. So I, for me, those are the, the magic three mixes of you work really hard so that when the spotlight swings your way, that you're ready and you don't fuck it up, then maybe it's going to fly. What do you think, Amelia? I lean more towards the latter, where I think you can achieve anything that you want to on this earth, so long as you work for it and mm -hmm. don't give up. I always think of this little image of of this person who's like digging underground, trying to find the light or whatever it is. And most times people will give up before it just takes one more swing to get there. Yeah. In acting world, you may get a hundred or a thousand no's before you get one yes. And I think as long as you work towards anything, you're a good person, you can achieve 
you know, what you believe or you found excites you or what you set out to do. But there's so many fucked up people that achieve <laughs> success, right? Like, but it, I never, especially I don't, in our business, you, they go, that guy's in the fuck or the she's the so-and-so is such an asshole. Like, I, what do you I, think? I tend to focus on uh, creatives, being a creative-minded yeah. person myself. And um, there's a category of creative, uh, me and my friends call them naturals. And they don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, some people would uh, would say that if you're too smart or you think too much, you you might paralyze yourself thinking about all the possibilities. And mm-hmm. if I do that, or should I have that strategy? And then that will lead to that, to that. And sometimes if your your brain isn't clogged up with all this stuff, you just do stuff and you go for it. Yeah, I think that also relates to your culture. I'm not uh, American. I'm I'm from Canada originally. Mm. And, um, you know, immigrant parents and all that whole thing. But one thing... Having, from where? Where are they immigrated? Uh, my father is from Jamaica, Jamaican Chinese. And my mother's from uh, Colombian, South American. But one thing, having moved here five years ago, that I love about uh, American culture is um, the, the, the can-do spirit, but also the, um, the way that people support each other in the communities. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fantastic. If you say... I'm going to do this thing. Mm. And you have a good support network. People will generally say, from my experience anyway, okay, we're going to support you. Go for it. We're going to help you. We're going to oh, talk to that person, do that. Whereas in other cultures that may have tall poppy syndrome, you say, I'm going to do this thing. And they're going to say, who who do you think you are? Tall yeah. poppy syndrome. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's like a field of poppies and one mm. tries to grow taller, the mm. other poppies are going to try and gang up and cut that thing down. Wait, really? Get back in your place. Yeah, there's a lot of cultures like that, and it's harder to get going. Right. Do you think that fueled your hunger or desire to prove everybody wrong because people are trying to cut that poppy? Yeah. I, I would say um, because I'm a, a little older and uh, you didn't have the internet as a place to have community to show what you could do, I used to make these crazy videos and I would finish them, put them on the tape and put them in a drawer because it was before YouTube launched. Mm. So now um, the world is a lot flatter. So if you're from a smaller city or a different place, you can still show what you do. You put it on the internet, build fans, figure out what you're, how you're going to um, launch your career, mm. create content, whatever it is. So things are very different now. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, 
assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You know, what I, what I really envy about you, Amelia, is that you're driving the cars that you're building, right? Like you always mm-hmm. show up here with like some cool car. <laughs> and, you know, I get so frustrated with these cars that I have because mm. the notion of like driving a vintage car and if you're like, yeah, I'm James Deaney and, you know, Hollywood and... And then, like an hour later, it starts to overheat, and then you're you're on the side of the road, man. Like, yeah. I, can't, I don't like that anymore. Like you know, it was cool, like for the first like three times that happened, but then always yeah. these old cars have some problem, and you know the gauges don't work. Like I think half the cars, the gas, the fuel gauge, I'm not sure if it's on <laughs> empty or full because it's just going up and down. That's a little bit the <laughs> argument for the whole EV swap thing, right? Mm-hmm. If it takes out that. You can just enjoy the thing. It probably doesn't drive in the same way, but yeah. the thing runs. And it's probably 10 times as fast also. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, that, if that's really a I When I build cars, I keep streetability in mind, like yeah. hardcore. Like I just bought a 69 Camaro and I, I already bought everything I need to put AC in it because I never again will I take out AC from a car or build a car without AC. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, just, there's just so many layers I wanted to be comfortable driving because I don't want to end up on the side of the road and when i moved here with my 
240SX that was constantly overheating, had to pull over with no AC, going to auditions with like my makeup running and oh, sweat dripping down damn. my back, smelling yeah. like gasoline because it was running rich. I just like, I think now I want to be able to enjoy the cars and it makes me so sad if they park for too long that I, maybe it's my OCD a little bit, but I yeah. almost make them a little too perfect. That's a challenge of, <laughs> uh, of classic car ownership. Yeah. Modified cars. Mm -hmm. um, I've given up on dreaming of uh, air conditioning in mine. I, I bought a fan off Amazon mm -hmm. that just just blows a little bit of air. Mm. <laughs> I've been thinking about liquidating all my cars and just focusing on one and like mm -hmm. making that. Uh, the, that's like, what I'm doing. Right? I just have one. Because like, I love vintage cars, but like get that thing like completely sorted out where it has the AC, has everything that I need, all the creature comforts to where I can drive it a like cross country to New York mm -hmm. and then drive it every day because I, I look at these cars and you know I'm getting older and I go when am I going to actually enjoy this when am I going to be able to drive it in the canyons when am I going to be able to take it to the track because I'm always paranoid like it's going to break down yeah right mm -hmm. and and I think I shifted to like oh I love the process of bringing these cars to life but they're not really fully alive. They're kind of limping through. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> right? You like lose trust in a car sometimes too when it breaks down yeah. one too many times. Yeah. I've done something a little crazy with my car is I yeah. had a digital twin made. Huh? A digital twin. Like What's an that? NFT? I commissioned someone. No. Um, it's an add-on for this PC simulation game, Assetto Corsa. Mm -hmm. So I, I had uh, this guy in Europe build it. We scanned the car and he built a 3D model of it did all the physics and everything. So I can sit in my living room because I'm into PC sim racing with a ah. VR headset. And I, I've driven the car across Tokyo, for example, at 200 miles an hour in virtual reality. Well, you have your car on a set of Corso. Yeah. Um, and I've driven it on the on the LA Canyon. I, I mean, that's stupid because I could do that in real life because that's in LA. But still, it, it's funny that I can drive my car in my living room around racetracks around the world. Um, that's a different way to enjoy it. I said, of course, for those listening, think of, not to compare to Gran Turismo or iRacing, but it's a racing video game, essentially, that I said, of course, is specifically a lot of drifters like to use for the mm -hmm. realism of being able to um, get a car sideways and get seat time without actually spending money on tires and gas. Mm. That's so cool. Anyway, that's a way that I, I enjoy my, my classic car virtually. So <laughs> much different than playing it in like Gran Turismo or something. Because I, I have my car in Gran Turismo and... Mm -hmm. That's less street and more tracks. Yeah. 30 yeah. minutes into it, I was like, yawn. Mm. It's know? different in <laughs> VR. If yeah. you have a full PC sim rig, you're, you're, you're able to uh, trick your nervous system. It actually thinks you're driving. Oh. Yeah, it's very different than a TV. I like that. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about what makes you tick, I guess. Oh. And how you go into... We're going to get into it. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's deep dive. What would you like to know? Let's start with... What makes you tick? What what makes you um, choose the decisions that you do on a daily basis? And where are you hoping to go with your career? It's an interesting question um, when you ask someone, like, why are you here? What are you here to do? Or what do you stand mm -hmm. for? I find that very fascinating whenever I meet people. I sometimes look in the mirror and, and think, what must I do? Not what do I want to do? What must I do in order to... Uh, not go crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it comes down to two things. One is I exist to imagine things and uh, bring those those visions to life and through creative projects. 
that's the thing I must do. And if I'm not doing that, then there's sadness. I start going crazy. So that's a bit of the hardwiring. For my personal philosophy, I, I define it as um, I exist to grow and learn. That for me is very important to continuously be a student um, and to continuously try and um, look at where my blind spots are. It's kind of hard to do because they're blind spots, but <laughs> try and keep learning and um, keep uh, never become too solid. Mm-hmm. Never say, okay, this is me. I'm not going to grow anymore. But the thing that I'm, I exist for, maybe my mission, which has maybe only come together in the past few years, is uh, you can ask the question, how are you going to contribute to the world? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And um, for me, it comes down to trying to fight for a bit of equality, mm-hmm. whether that's in the creative projects or the people that I'm giving opportunities to, or if I'm putting a creative team together, who are those people? Can I try and hire some women in the automotive scene into the projects that I'm involved with? Can I try and give opportunities to people of color? Or if I see a young kid that's just starting, um, who comes from maybe a, lack of a better term, disadvantaged background, but they're really passionate. Can I help them? Can I um, give them advice about how to develop their careers? So those that's the main mission. I'm still working through the best ways to actualize that, but I'm trying to live by that and to affect change around me. That's a great answer. Yeah, very well thought out. And I know you take pride I think pride about in, these things a lot. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Have you had many mentors in your life? Yes. I don't know where I figured that out. Somewhere along the line, I figured out that it's helpful to have people to learn from. Mm-hmm. And from the very beginning of my career, even when I was in art school, I would hang out with the teachers. I'd go for lunch with them. And I'd just try and learn. And wherever I went in the different stages of my career, I've always had people that were much further along than me who took an interest in what I was doing and gave me advice, sometimes might criticize me for the way I was going about things um, and give support, maybe make some introductions. And I try and do that as well now with when I'm going about my business. Um, I'm having a bit of a strange year in that I'm, for the first time since I can remember, I have a little bit of spare time Right. And I found that very disconcerting. Um, for me, having a to-do list that's you know crazy long, um, intense deadlines, um, that friction creates a sense of order. Maybe I became addicted to having that friction and just being busy. Now that just for the past four months, um, I'm coming off a four-year project, um, I have a little bit of time to think about things and just to focus on myself. And uh, for the first few months, that was kind of disturbing. Mm. I have to build uh, internal motivation versus external motivation from a deadline or uh, just having people calling you or having things that you have to get done but for is, a project on fire. Is that not setting goals, though? Having Setting deadlines for yourself? Creating friction? Sure. I mean, friction can be defined as many things, right? Yeah. I mean, anyone would say setting a goal is creating friction because you have to do something about it. Yeah. I've been changing my methodology to be maybe more about having a way of approaching every day or having things that I focus on, but less about saying we're going to have that done by then. 
Mm-hmm. I need to earn that amount of money by this point in time, or this has to be done then. Because uh, I find that that creates stress and um, I don't always feel that happy. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to focus more on the art of making every day count in different aspects of life, whether it's uh, physical health, being inspired, updating my skill set, my personal projects like my car, or looking at what, how to steer my career and new new goals that I'm setting for myself. So I've been trying to be slightly less goal-oriented like, and more about having a very good process. Mm. That's a better way to say it. Mm. That's a new thing that I've been working through just this year. You know, the whole uh, chop, wood, carry water business? No, yeah, that, that what, is philosophy. That? what is that? Uh, I think that might come from the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. The saying is, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. In that you focus on making everyday count. And it's the art of doing simple tasks or just taking care of business and projects for the sake of doing a good job of that and having a balanced life. That is the way forward. At least I'm working with this. I'll get back to you to see if this is all a bunch of nonsense or not. But. That that reminds me <laughs> of, I'm not going to do the story justice, but there's an old story about a fisherman who's on a boat and some mm-hmm. rich billionaire comes to go fish with him because whatever, he's on vacation or whatever it is. Do you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? I've heard this story. Have you heard this one song? It's a good one. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it justice. So this billionaire goes fishing with this um, fisherman's small town and he's just fishing. And the billionaire is like, oh, well, if you have three fishing rods set up, you can catch three times as much. And then you can grow your business here to do this, to to then catch more fish, to sell more fish, to make more money. Have employees. Yeah, have employees. And then the fisherman's like, well, why would I do that? And he's like, well, so then you can retire. And then you could come back here and, you know, be with your boat and fish. Yeah, it's a simple retirement. He's like, but I'm doing that now. <laughs> mm. Have you been able to find happiness in that shift from going from being goal-driven to focusing more on the moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had moments in my life where I've been very much about the goal. Mm-hmm. When I first started at EA, I, I was very obsessed with getting to a point where I made $100,000 a year. I was just focused on that. And every time I saw my paycheck, I wasn't making $100,000 a year. And then I became very focused. I need to be a C-level executive. And I, I would present myself like that. When I was at EA, it's you know, very casual. All these uh, programmers with their, their T-shirt that they've been wearing all week. That's what C-level yeah. stands for? Casual? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. Like uh, C-suite, like CEO. Oh, oh. Uh, I was like, wait. Casual, casual executive. Like, yeah, yeah an executive. <laughs> I, I would wear like college shirts, sports oh. jacket. Be, I'm a decision maker. Oh. And you, all of you will think of me as a decision maker. Okay. This is the 30s where I was uh, felt like I was behind. Mm. My, I went for years just thinking about my not C-level life. And even more recently, uh, I, I had this goal. I needed to have a supercar. Mm. And uh, I wanted... I, I've done a lot of projects with McLaren. And, and they occasionally give me cars to drive. And, uh, you know, they're amazing machines. And um, my daily is a, a, a 2019 Cayman S. It's an amazing car. But for the longest time, it was a not McLaren, right? So mm-hmm. I'm getting in this beautiful, incredibly engineered, well-handling sports car, and I'm driving around my not McLaren. And that's what I mean by external goals. And I'm not appreciating this incredible car that I 
my life has taken me to drive, right? And it's fabulous to be in LA traffic, Canyon track day, just the best well-rounded machine, good fuel economy, turbo four-cylinder. I've been working to get rid of that, those external uh, checklist items so that you can appreciate the life that you have now. Mm. If we get back to what we were talking about earlier, imagine someone that loves shooting cars, right? They've got their camera, they're going to car meets, they've got friends that have some cool cars, they're getting together to do shoots, but they might still have a day job. And someone might become so focused on the fact that they're not making a living as a professional automotive media creator that they become miserable. But the, the point I'm making is that just the moment where you have good friends, just looking at this, this case study, shooting cars, you're in a position where you have your health and your camera and you're out doing some fun stuff, you should just have fun with that and, uh, and be able to be in the moment a little bit more. So that's that's what I'm working through. I completely understand. I completely understand. You know, the, the the Sienna. There was a time where I would not ever be seen driving this car, mm-hmm. right? And this the reason I love this car so much is because not only does it have 18 cup holders, but <laughs> 36 wow. miles a gallon. Right? Not sponsored. Yeah, it's not. It's like I have no association to Toyota. Right? I, I think they're very happy. They're very, especially the minivan department's like really happy that I talk about the Sienna because they don't, they get no love. The new know? Prius, yeah. the new Prius, incredible. It's nice, yeah. But this is, this is like a gift to mankind. But anyway, when I, when I drive this car and when I look at this car, I'm, I get so happy or there's a feeling of contentment because this is a representation of, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. Mm-hmm. And it took so many years to get to that place. And once somehow, and, it, and it's actually because of this car, right? I met the mentors. Like when I was in Hawaii, I would see all of these, you know, older gentlemen driving this or mm-hmm. Toyota Tacoma. Like, you know, it's pieces of junk that are being rusted up because of the salt mm-hmm. water in Hawaii. And then I would like get to know them and friends would introduce me and they go, yeah, that guy's like, you know, almost a billionaire or he owns half of this or he's this or he's that. And I'm like, but he drives a Sienna. He's like, yeah, because he doesn't care what people think. And I was like, man, that was my North Star. I was like, I I need to get to that place Mm. where whatever is on the external is not for others. And like, look, we should love the finer things in life if... It's sincere. And if it's not for somebody else, like even mm-hmm. the way like I dress today, it was like when I was younger, it was like I dressed because I was like, oh yeah, I need that person to think that I'm something mm-hmm. or that I'm cool. And now I I wear what I look as like, I like that. I like the ethos behind that. And this, the Toyota Sienna, <laughs> right? the engineers of this car, they created a masterpiece. Yeah. Why fix it when it's not broken, right? I find myself <laughs> appreciating Camrys. Oh, at yeah. least later, sometimes I look at the corner of my eye, I see this wide low sedan. I think, what is that? Oh, it's a Camry. Is this what I have to look forward to as I get older? <laughs> no. I find as I get older, I become more extreme. Extreme? Extreme. extreme yeah. How so? Uh, it's an interesting one as you get older. Um, there's different directions that you can go. I like looking at archetypes. And uh, there's several archetypes that I feel myself heading in the direction of. One is the uh, the outlaw. Mm. Sometimes I, I go to lowrider events in DTL. I live in the arts district in downtown LA. Mm. And I go to these lowrider events and I, I see um, 
Yeah, I see these older like Mexican gentlemen, you know, with their shaved heads and their tattoos. And I think, damn, this is, they look so amazing. And they're like 60. Mm. And then the other, the other archetype that I, I love is the avant-garde artist or artiste. The people that get older become more uh, out there <laughs> uh, visually. So I think uh, by the time I'm like 80, I'm going to have like tattoos all over. I don't know. It's just the, it's the direction I'm, I'm heading in. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com.
Toyota, let's go places. Hey, you know, speaking of the lowrider community, I don't know if this urban legend is true, but it has been told that the person that actually sparked or created the lowriders is actually a Japanese American dude. That's true. Tazo, I think his name is Tazo. Or I saw the story recently that the first car that's considered the prototype lowrider there was a Asian American. Yeah, gentlemen. But it was the same with, um, have you heard of Bob Hirohata? No. In the 1950s, he worked with Sam Barris and they created the Hirohata Mercury. It's a 51 Mercury. Mm -hmm. It's the most famous custom car in the world. And uh, yeah, Japanese American. This is a whole other subject, but yeah, certainly the the stories of uh, Asian Americans in the history of hot rodding, drag racing, custom cars. It's uh, there's so many stories and people so that have contributed along the way that have been invisible, I guess, because of media would yeah. be able to control that. It's right? a program I did with uh, Hot Wheels two years ago and one year ago to to tell more of these stories during uh, AAPI month. What did they say? Well, we we they came to us and said, "Hey, let's celebrate AAPI." Asian American Pacific Islanders and their contributions to the automobile and car culture. So we did several uh, articles that were on Hot Wheels Instagram channel and we looked at who are the people that have done some some crazy stuff like Larry Shinoda. Mm -hmm. I know worked on Larry's the, story very yeah, well. Yeah, he worked on the, the Stingray Corvette and the early Mustangs. Yeah, Mustangs, yeah. yeah. But there's numerous people um, that have designed iconic cars, motorsports legends, and yeah, often these stories are not told. And uh, it's also fun to try and find new people that are coming up to see if we can help them. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that when you talk about Asian Americans and Asian Americans in car culture that I find a little maybe worrying to look at is uh, when I look at Formula D right now, there's not many Asian Americans competing anymore. Yeah, there used to be two. tons. Why do you think that is? I've talked to Jim Law about this. and Jim Law used to be the head of FD. Now he yeah, works at SEMA, yeah, so he's no yeah. longer there. Who is of Asian. He said, he said that it's hard for people to find sponsorship. Because they're Asian? That's one thing he said, yeah. And I don't know. But it's it's definitely it's something we've noted. The challenges. Yeah, I mean, we had Hurt here, yeah. formerly from Hoonigan, and... We were asking him, like, how come there are very few pro-African-American drivers? Yeah. If any. Like, I never saw any. And then, last FD event I went to, I think there was, Dai was still racing, and yeah. you know, there was Ken Gucci, and that's so it. They're from the you beginning, know? right? Yeah. Old school. But they also were saying, I remember Ken or Dai was telling me, it's like, yeah, we can't, we can't compete with, you know... The dudes like Vaughn, uh, Vaughn Getting yeah, Jr. Bon, he's like, I can't, I can't compete with them because he has. He goes, look at their, like you know, their, their pit. Mm -hmm. Like you know, it's like it's millions of dollars. Where he was saying, like, I can bear. We we have he had to tow the cars himself. Like Ken yeah. was saying, right, and like his whole crew are staying in a Motel Six, right. So it's all about sponsorship. So I mean, I I don't know, man. It's like. You know, it's a it, challenge, or you look at women in motorsports, right? 
Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's at least good that there's dialogue about these things. And there's still people that break through, thankfully. And there's still marker moments that happen. If we look at, you know, through the lens of people of color and women and their their progression in automotive. But I think one has to keep pushing and keep trying to help where you can to find opportunities for people. Keep encouraging others and share what you've learned along the way, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's important to talk about this, but it's also, it's I, I think it's important also to you know, not be delusional and, yeah, of and course. talk about it realistically, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you brought up the fact, like, yeah. why are there very few Asian, like, you know, drifters in the pro league? That's a question that I would like to, to answer, yeah. you know? And is it because they're inferior drivers or is it that because their face does not sell the product? And is that even true? I mean, mm-hmm. I deal with that. It's like, yeah. like when I deal with like corporate, like America, they're like, yeah, you, your face doesn't work in America. And then I go outside and Asia and Europe. It's like, I'm appreciated as like, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's value there. But here, being American and growing up here is like, has its pros and its cons. But I always feel like, you know, I'm in the backseat. You know? Yeah, I, right. I agree with you. I, I definitely have experienced that. In my first career music video directing, um, I was working with industrial metal bands like Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and this kind of stuff. But I think when I was up for music videos, if I was going to be invited to write on it, and they saw this name Rod Chong, I don't believe that that necessarily helped me um, mm. in my progression. Mm. This is in the 90s. But I'd like to think that maybe now it wouldn't be quite as much friction as it was back then. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it's you know it's as bad as the '90s. I think it's getting better and better and better. But I think you know the dialogue, and then not and not to complain about it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a soapbox guy, and like I do not talk, like to talk about oh the world is racist and I'm the victim. Like it's not that, but mm-hmm. it's also like can't ignore truth. Like how is drifting this sport that so supposedly it was inspired by Japan? Yeah. Right, and there's nobody from Japan participating in the sport in America. But Hurd actually brought up a good point when we spoke to him. He said, "What did he say, Emil? He said that the Japanese cars were, where there's this American sensibility or the American version yeah. of Japanese car culture." Right? I, what, what did he say? I think he was talking, if I remember correctly, about the different drifting styles and what he liked about Final Bout was it had more Japanese influence uh, yeah. where um, FD today has more American influence of form over function, function over form. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The I remember talking to some of the OG Japanese drifters. I went to Japan for a tour in 2008 and we spent a lot of time with Team Orange. Mm. Back then they were talking about how the style of drifting that was coming up was more like sideways power sliding. Which kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you look at those early drifting events where they... I remember I went to a D1GP event in 2006 at Irwindale and they had different rules for cars below 300 horsepower. Mm. So the A86s that were drifting back then, they didn't have to drift a bank mm. at Irwindale because they couldn't. They didn't mm-hmm. have enough power. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a bit more of a... Uh, a playing field that was designed for those low horsepower cars and all that. But that's a bit more the traditional JDM drifting thing, which it's a bit more like Final Bout, I'd say is more of a throwback to the original spirit of what drifting was like. And 
late nineties, early to mid two thousands. Whereas yeah. it's it's kind of gone in a different direction now. Yeah. And I still am a big fan. I go I try and go to, to Long Beach and Irwindale every year. Because I still love drifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, when I step back and look at you know the landscape of, you know, professional drifting, you know, the positives is that, you know, this thing that came from Asian culture is now accepted and embraced right, mm-hmm. by people that are not Asian. And it's not this like, you know, this like exotic foreign thing. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's part of American culture now, right? Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, European like, culture too. The the biggest drifting event in the world just happened in Poland. And really? I think there were 56,000 people there. It was wow. in a stadium. How many people? 56,000. Wow. Yeah. So there it's it's moving around the world. It it's kind of become its its own thing. Yes, the roots are in Japan, but What do you think that is? You think it's because it's a a car event or something that is accessible to just the layman? Think right? about skiing and mountains, right? Um skiing has been around a long time. You know, people go on mountains and it was there for a long time, and then suddenly this new group of people came, snowboarders, right? They dress differently. Listen, different music. Totally, it was a culture, and all the traditional skiers were looking at it, going, "What is this thing? Right? Who are these people?" Snowboarding has, you know, gone and it's it's its own thing now. Totally international sport and pastime, and uh, but it still is happening on ski slopes, right? And you could think of traditional motorsports happening on racetracks, etc. And then suddenly these drifters come out, and they're different, right? It's a lifestyle. More um, comparable to snowboarders and skaters, I'd say, if you wanted to draw a parallel. Mm. And um, but it's also just fun to watch. And I, I believe it's the last new motorsport that's happened in an age. I think rallycross was invented in the early seventies. Mm. But aside from that, there's not really anything new. Maybe, maybe monster trucks are the other new uh, sport, if you want to call it that. That's trippy <laughs> to think about that drifting or maybe monster trucks i don't know which which came first but to think that that's one of the newer forms and maybe the last form of motorsport yeah racing and it's just it's it's entertaining right you've got the the crazy out of control action that you might see in rallying you've got the side by side door banging you might get in nascar yeah the smoke pomp and circumstance you get in drag racing you know yeah. big power cars and uh but then you've got this knockout timeline Whereas regular motorsports, right, you're going around in circles and you get to sit in the grandstand as a fan and room, 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 right? The cars are going left, right, and then someone wins and then it's over. And yeah. it's usually not that exciting mm-hmm. as much as I love motorsports. Um, so I, I think that that's why drifting has developed in the way that it has. You know, there was a while there in the US that Rallycross came in and uh, took all the oxygen out of the room and all the factory programs left Formula D went to rallycross and then um there's new forms of electric rallycross coming in etc but it's um it stayed that off and it keeps going the fan mm. engagement's there still fun we love drifting well thank you rod this was a great conversation <laughs> this has been a really deep and lovely conversation my pleasure yeah we went pretty deep i feel very close to both of you now and so do we <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.